Words appear. The Meet Me series. More words appear. Brought to you by Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Welcome everyone to another episode of Meet Me here on Whose Blind Life Isn't It Anyway? The show where you get to meet all the interesting people I get to meet. Brought to you by VIP Tech and sponsored by Osnap. Vitamin packets that can boost your energy, help you sleep and rejuvenate your DNA, all while doing it naturally. I am your host, Victor Gouveia. And remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and family, especially if you feel they can benefit from anything that's said here. And subscribe, making sure to hit the notification button so you know when we go live or upload a new video. Additionally, you can find us on our Facebook page, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway?, as well as on Twitter at Blind Who's, that's B L I N D W H O S E. Alternatively, if you don't like any of those platforms, you can benefit from podcasts. Podcasts can be gotten on any iDevice, Android device, uh, Amazon device. So, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you ask Alexa to play, whose blind life is it anyway? She'll actually go out and find us for you. If you need a copy of the audio or video of the recording of this episode, send me an email, whose blind life is it anyway? at gmail.com. And I will send you a link to the folder on Dropbox that houses all the episodes that are broadcast on our network. On this episode of Meet Me, we interview a past guest that we've already interviewed again. Now, as you know, we I have many co-hosts. And uh, my co-hosts don't just co-host, they also view what is broadcast on our network. And uh, this person wanted to chime in and give her thoughts on bullying and, and discrimination. One of the common themes that we as blind people face is discrimination and bullying amongst our peers and uh, amongst other sighted kids. She also wants to dispel rumors of her sorry, not of her specifically but of uh, blind people raising children. Um she was lucky enough to to experience that situation and she'd like to tell everyone about that life and what she uh, benefited from it so again uh, as I said enjoy the interview and here is Monica Jones 
Monica, thank you for coming back. And before we start the interview, I should let everyone know this is the second interview with Monica that I've done. Uh, because Monica isn't just a co-host on some of the shows with me. She's also a viewer slash listener. I mean, she doesn't have any sight, so she can't be anything but a listener. But having said that, uh, Monica has said that there are some things that she thinks she needs to, she feels she needs to get out. Uh, particularly in terms of child raising and her experiences in school, uh, or, in Not the neighborhood, yeah. In, in life, in life in general, as a child, a blind child, growing up in a sighted world. Uh, and we're going to start by saying you went to a blind school. Yeah, I did. And you, were you mainstream too? I can't remember. No. Uh, we didn't have ma mainstreaming until like the mid seventies or something. And oh, so okay. I started school in 1964. Right. Okay. So this is strictly in, well, a blind school basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you were living in the blind school. Yeah. You didn't leave and then come back every day. It was just. No, I stayed there. You stayed but. There. Uh, what I was getting at was my neighborhood where I grew up, how mm -hmm. the kids treated me, uh, you know, when in, in school. Well, hold on a second. How did they I'm treat sorry. you in school? Uh, in school, you know, it's just like kids always are. You know, they tell you to shut up or whatever, and, you know, you'd stick your tongue back out at them and go on. Every once right. in a while, you might get in a little hitch, hit and match, but not. I mean, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't anything abnormal. So you, you essentially feel that it was a normal childhood. Yeah. Right. Now, what about what everybody says about those residential schools being bad in terms of abusive and various other things like that? We had some of that. Um, as a matter of fact, I was talking to one of my friends about it earlier today. We had some of that, but most of the people were good to us. Um, right. But you just had a few teachers that, that wanted to smack you with rulers. Or uh, Now, I had one that um, she slapped me so hard three times one day that my chair turned over sideways, but it, it didn't tip plumb over but it tipped it was sideways enough to lift the legs yeah. yeah and um all because she had to come and correct something on the braille rider that i did she wait she slapped you because she had to come over and correct something yeah she had to erase something on my paper so and she had these long fingernails that when she did slap you they scratched yeah no shit i can only imagine 
And, um, but, you know, we had a... Do you remember this, how old she was? Uh, I know she had a daughter in high school. Mm-hmm. I thought she was old when I was five, but, you know. Yeah, yeah and everybody's old at that age. <laughs> okay, so what about life outside of school and in your neighborhood? Well, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was it was a r- rural area. Mm-hmm. And I grew up where kids wanted to include me. Uh, they didn't want to play without me. Um, they would, uh, put me in the game and they'd try to show me whatever game it was that they were playing. And mm-hmm. if I didn't get it exactly right, that was fine. They didn't care. At least I got to play. Right. And they didn't exclude me. Right. And so. Now, did uh, this go for both your male and female friends? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they never made fun of you at all. No one ever made fun no, of you. No, no. I mean, I was, um, you know, sometimes they would feel sorry for me, but they learned not to feel sorry for me. <laughs> and, right, right. You know, but it was just, I mean. Now, why is that? Why did they learn not to feel sorry for you? Well, because I, you know, I would catch on and I would try to do things and. Um, they admired and respected me. I see. Okay. Except so, when they got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that begs an interesting question. Why would they get mad at um, me? Well, not they. I had a, I had a cousin one day. I love her dearly still, but I don't hardly ever get to see her now. But, um, <laughs> she got, she got mad at me one, one afternoon and, uh, I went, I went in the house and I told her older sister that, uh, Teresa and Kathy were picking on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, she said, well, I'm just going to make you some brownies and they won't get any. <laughs> and her Teresa out on the porch, she hollering out, yeah, she's going to give her brownies and it's just because she's so shit and blind. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that, that's incredible. But that's the most serious that it ever got, you know. Right. And, right. and of course, we're like kids, we made up. You know, we were like maybe seven and nine, eight and ten, something like that. Uh-huh. Wow. And, um, um, I mean, is, is that indicative of rural life or is that like pretty much anywhere? Um, I mean, I'd imagine, yeah. given some of the stories we've heard, well, okay, I should say, darling, mm-hmm. what do you do? <laughs> I'm trying to get my headphones back on my head. Okay. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. No, because the what you whatever you were doing was coming through the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I'll cut that out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, what I was gonna ask, given given all the stories that I've heard, and since you're a listener, that you've heard, 
Okay, I thought you were done. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing. Oh, I'm just holding on to my cord. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> okay. okay, let me start again. <laughs> um, given all the stories that I've heard, and because you're a listener that you've heard, I mean, it would seem that life all over the U.S. is different depending on where you live. Yeah, I think so. Now, when I can't say if in the bigger cities like Memphis that uh, uh, Memphis it's a mess, but anyway, you know, it, it might have been more. Uh, it might have been more like that. I don't know, but just where I lived and where I grew up, the areas around there. I wasn't mistreated. Well, let me ask you something. And this is more, I guess, for my knowledge, if anything else. Um, I mean, what was the black population, for example, like where you lived? Uh, when I was little, uh, now they have a lot of uh, black people there. So I've heard. Um, but. Back then, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't, there was, there was hardly, uh, no black folks. Uh, now my friend, I mean, my parents had a friend, uh, that, uh, that was black. Mm-hmm. And, but they never told me he was black. So, uh. They never told you he was black. No, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I guess it wasn't important to them. They didn't think about it. Right, and right. so I didn't find out until later that that he was actually a black man. And yeah, I guess I guess something like that wouldn't come around in everyday conversation. Yeah, and and I guess it and two, it probably wasn't important to him. Right. And that they, I guess they just didn't think about me not knowing. And yeah, um, yeah. because he always, you know, he'd bring my brother and me candy and um, that sort of thing. We I don't know what his real name was, but we called him Cert. Mm-hmm. Like a pack of certs. Right, I don't right. know. And I, I have no idea where that came from, but that's just what he was called. And Maybe his breath just smelled like certs. It could be. <laughs> Who knows? But I never did smell it. But yeah. And when I was in the hospital, he brought me a baby doll uh-huh. and uh, brought my brother something because we ended up in the hospital at the same time. He just went before me. <laughs> uh, because and, of? Well, I had the croup. The croup. Oh, the croup. Yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night coughing my head off and I couldn't hardly breathe. My grandmother wrapped me up and took me to the hospital. <laughs> right. Well, it could have been worse. Could have been a whooping cough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I used to have lots of those. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting because I guess, I guess in rural Tennessee, Multiculturalism wasn't rampant, I guess. Well, I guess in the rural areas it wasn't. I, I guess you really can't speak for the urban areas, I guess. Uh, I there was there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of black prejudice, like there is everywhere. Yeah, but yeah. you know, but at that time, um, in 1963, 1962, I didn't know about such things. It, right. it wasn't, I mean, like I said, we didn't have that many folks who were black or from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. 
where I grew up. So everybody just treated everybody with respect. And if they did meet a black person and they became friends or whatever, which the few that were there wanted to, you know, be included. So. And that's a great way of parents. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, I didn't learn about black folks until, um, until I started to school. I started mm-hmm. to school in 64, but it was the, uh, then the fall of 65 that they integrated. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I started to learn about colored people as they called them then. Right. I always yeah. hated that term. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, uh, but. I mean, the people treat you differently knowing that, uh, well, if they saw you with another person of a different race or different culture. No, because we were all, we all were in school together and we just kind of bonded. I mean, um, you might have had some that didn't get along, but we just kind of all learned to mesh and play together. Right. We didn't know we were supposed to not like them. No, but I mean, did, did other did other people treat you differently, like other adults, for example, even when you were older? Um. No. Now I had a great aunt, and I went to her. Uh, Went to her house and spent the night one night. And um, mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, country singer Charlie Pride. And I said, I liked him. She said, I don't like him. And I said, well, why? And she said, because he's a nigger. And so I didn't really have any respect for her after that. I told her that's not reason to not like somebody. Yeah. And yeah. then I had, I had a set of in-laws who were just very, they wouldn't even eat where they thought a black person would be eaten. They'd get up and leave if they saw a black person in a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd be embarrassed because me and my husband, we had to leave too, you know? And yeah. And, and I mean, it's, a, it's amazing that you turned out so well the way you did living with that sort of of well environment to say the least well you know it wasn't all it it, it wasn't all magnolias and roses you know i told you in the first interview um the things that went on with my family Mm -hmm. no no i know what i'm saying but at the same time that's different from being uh quote unquote racist or oh yeah racially insensitive um and that's what i'm referring to um i mean we could we could talk psychologically and psychiatrically about your family issues all kinds oh but, no no <laughs> yeah uh, i'm saying i'm saying but i'm saying in terms of your your identity as a person it wasn't it wasn't at all uh linked to what people or how people treated you or or said or what they said to you right cuz i oh if they said anything to me i'd about 
you know, associate with somebody black, it would make me mad and I would, uh, you know, I would let them know how I felt. So would and, you stand up for yourself? Uh, yes, I learned to stand up for myself. Right. And, um, because I would stand up to the abusers at school and then mm-hmm. I would stand up to, uh, uh I got to, uh, in fact, it, it got so bad that I would even, um, sass and have arguments with teachers and house parents that I loved just to get the attention. And it didn't matter to me what kind of attention it was. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was when I started adolescence and that was pretty tough, but yeah. So, I mean, obviously this kind of brings us to our, our next uh, discussion, which is, your attitudes and your experiences as a blind parent. Um, yeah, I got really, that was a shocker for me. Um, okay. Do you want I, to explain why? Sure. Um, I was about to marry a guy who, um, he had a son in Hobbs, New Mexico. We were in Nashville mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he he kept getting calls that um, the child, you know, he 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 wasn't uh, the mother wasn't feeding him. The mother didn't have a job. The mother just left him here and there, even with people she didn't know. You know, we, that's the kind of thing that he kept hearing. Mm-hmm. And um, so finally, one day he talked to her and. Uh, she wanted him to come and get him. So, um, man, I had to make a decision because, uh, you know, I loved kids. I didn't want any of my own for various reasons. But then, I mean, I had babysat a lot, but that's not like taking one 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, so she wanted him to come and get the child. And um, so uh, she didn't even ask to talk to me. And and I asked Terry, I said, does she want to talk to me? Because if some woman was going to be taking care of my youngin, I'd want to talk to her. And yeah, yeah. Get to know her a little bit. Sure. And um, so she talked to me and. She liked what she heard, and um, I guess she didn't think she had much choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but so anyway, it, it so happened that I had some back pay coming from Social Security. I mm-hmm. had just started getting my disability. Mm-hmm. So I gave him $1,100 to go get him. Right. So um, it. it you know, I, I I didn't know this child. I didn't know what kind of emotional problems, uh, psychological scars he was going to have from being bounced around from one place to the other. Yeah. But it turned out to be a good experience. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you know you're getting a five-year-old for the first time, you know, and you 
you don't know what to expect. I'm thinking, what if the child runs from me and, and I can't catch him and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just really scared to death and I couldn't and I tried to talk about this to the man I was about to marry. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I thought being a blind person, he would understand my feelings. Mm-hmm. But, um, I have to ask. He told me, what the hell is that dog in the background? <laughs> I don't hear a dog unless, well, unless you're hearing, hearing my neighbor. Yeah, because all I hear is a little yappy dog. <laughs> well, it's not in my plot, my house. I wish it was, but well, that's good. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, maybe she's she's maybe I'm going crazy and and I'm hearing ghosts or something. <laughs> well, you are crazy a little bit. True, I am. Okay, but um, you know, from I just I tried to talk to him about how I was feeling. And his answer to me was, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You should just be able to love him like I do. And, and, and. Now your just, husband said this to you. Yeah. Right. And, um, so I was thinking to myself, well, I don't know if I can do this. I can't, I don't know if I want to marry him and take this on. Mm-hmm. But, um, I still gave him the money and I was thinking about leaving because I was kind of, I was panicking, but. Then I said to myself, Monica, you've never ran away from anything, so don't do it now. Mm-hmm. So it turns out, though, that when the child got there, <laughs> the first thing he said to me was, I got to my, you know, I said, hello, Lee, did you have a nice flight? I got to my airplane wings. <laughs> How that old was he? He was five. Oh. And, I mean, he was just out there. Uh-huh. And uh so... Uh, anyway, and you know, he would talk your ear off and, um, but it turned out to be good. I mean, um, he had some things to work through because we, at first he didn't want to play with any other kids. He was just kind of withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And, but then I started getting him in Sunday school and, um, letting him go to, uh, you know, outings with other kids and, uh, my friend Janice, her kids were growing up then and mm-hmm. she had some sight and, um, she, she would take him with her or she'd take me and her with her and her bunch. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I, uh, and, um, and I taught him things. I was the one taught him to tie his shoes. Right. He, he didn't know how to tie his shoes. Um, yeah. my husband just yelled at him and stuff. And, um, the one thing I didn't do, I did it while he had, while he went to get his new guide dog. I didn't take him to and from school. I told my husband that that was going to be his job. He said, why don't you get out there in the cold and take him and go get him? I said, look, I have to do everything else. I have to wait on you. I have to do the cooking. I have to. Uh, help him with his homework. I said, now that is the one job you can do. Mm-hmm. I said, so do it and hush. Or you might be doing everything by yourself. 
Right. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it got so, I was, I was so attached to the child that, uh, I was staying with him just because I knew that if I left, I'd never see the little boy again. I knew they wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. And it ended up that we got custody of him because Terry took her to court. He didn't keep his word. He told her that he would, uh, uh, wait a year before he, you know, did anything, but he didn't wait a whole year. Right. And so he took her to court and he got custody, but Lord have mercy. Every time she came into town, she'd start some kind of trouble and then there we'd be. And so he, he was, he was blind too. Yeah, he was blind. And but what about his, the child's mother? He was blind. He couldn't, he couldn't even blow his nose by himself. Hardly. <laughs> what about the child's, uh, but the child's mother? mother? No, she was perfectly sighted. Okay. And, um, I was the only blind wife he ever had. Well, that's interesting. And, she didn't want to talk to you knowing that her child was going to be in the home with two blind people. Yeah. I mean, you would think that she would ask. And so finally she said, yeah, I'll talk to her. And so we talked a while Mm -hmm. and uh, she said that she felt good about everything. Out of curiosity, did you get along with her? I did at first until Terry took her to court. Oh. And then she she turned on me. On you? Why you? Yeah, well, because Terry got custody and, you know, she just... Uh, she held that against It you. was, yeah. And yeah. Uh, she'd, she'd say, you fat bitch, you've got my son and, you know, that kind of... And, and, and a lot of times I wouldn't say anything back because I could feel her pain that she lost, you know, she didn't have her child anymore. Right, right. And, um, we got in a fight outside my, on my front porch Mm -hmm. one time and I had to call the police on her. Um, but, you know. It sounds like it was hard for you. It was hard. It, It was hard, but, you know, I've dealt with hard all my life and I, um, see, you know, so, so I now, know, you know, I don't like when people say that, that they've dealt with hard all their life. That's fine. But that doesn't diminish the fact that it was hard for you at the time. Well, it was, that's, that's right. my point. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I'm not trying to give myself pats on the back. I'm just No, saying, no, I understand. Yeah. But what what I'm saying is, you know, don't diminish it simply because you've had to deal with other stuff too and you and you got through that. Doesn't matter. The fact is you had to go through that and I feel for you. When I left that little boy, oh goodness gracious, it mm-hmm. was it was like somebody died. Because they didn't even want me around him. Um, I remarried that man a second time just because he told me that um, Karen said that uh, she had married a 79-year-old man by that time. Mm-hmm. And they had, they lived in Temple, Texas. 
she said um, he said that she said that I could come out there with him in the summertime to to visit the child and you know I knew better but I was grieving and I wanted to believe it mm-hmm. so I decided to marry him again and I did marry him I left him two days later because I found out he lied. You found out he lied? Yep. She didn't say that. I should have had sense enough to know better, but I was grieving, so, you know. Yeah. That he was like my own child. I mean, I never tried to take his mother's place, Mm -hmm. but that's basically what I did for three years. I, I, I felt like a lot of times I was the mother and the father. Right. Be, because the only thing my husband did was yell at him. Uh, I can remember when he started uh, first grade, um, he brought home some spelling words or he, and, uh, no, just words to read. Mm-hmm. And because it was the first day of school, he hadn't, um, so, Anyway, he was trying to read them, and he said, I don't remember what this one is. And then he, Lee, you started school. You ought to know how to read that. And, and, and man, it just got bad, and the, and the young uns started crying. Mm-hmm. So I, I took hold of him, and I took him in the kitchen, and I sat him on my lap, and I said, honey, don't worry. We'll figure it out. I said, I said, don't, don't cry anymore. And, uh, so he sat there with me and he hugged me and he'd tell me he loved me and, you know, I said, I love you too. And, um, so, you know, I got him soothed and so, and then I talked to Terry about it later. I said, you know, you had all kinds of trouble in school. I said, so don't, you don't need to be picking on him. If you want to help him, help him, but don't holler at him like that. Well, he should know that stuff. I said, why should he know it on the first day of school? Mm -hmm. So it got so that all of his homework, when he learned to read, well, his kindergarten teacher was real good and his first grade teacher was real good about uh, helping me help him. Mm-hmm. Now, a second grade teacher wasn't too good, but still we got through. Um, but he would bring home spelling words that he had to memorize and, or learn to spell. And I, I would write them down on the Braille writer and then I would take his print copy and I would mix the words up and I would give them to him and he'd spell most of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then I would have him. Um, the ones he couldn't spell, then I'd give him his list back and mm-hmm. I'd say, these are the words you need to go over. And I said, if you want to put a check mark or something by him, uh, you can, but he hardly ever had to go over any of them. He, he was a smart little boy yeah. and, um, I hadn't figured out what I was going to do if I had to do something out of a math book, but <laughs> that, yeah. but he hadn't got yeah. to that point yet, but I figured I'd figure it out some way. Yeah, but I mean that's something that I went through with Aaliyah, my daughter. Um, I actually I didn't let anyone 
try to keep me away from my daughter's schooling. Uh, the fact is I wanted to get copies of her textbooks and everything in digital format so I could follow along uh, and I could help wherever I was needed. Um, th- so they they actually helped you in that regard? Um, she would tell me what needed to be done mm-hmm. and how, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of digital stuff in 1985. No, I'd imagine not. And um, so it's like you always tell me I'm old. <laughs> no, no. I mean, back in <laughs> back in 85, I was in I was in high school. Yeah. I had just started high school, and Yeah, we did. Back then yeah. we had computers, but the, you just the data have, was on cassettes. Yeah, everything was, I mean, you yeah. didn't have digital like you've got it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the question, oh, excuse me. Bless you. So see, now you know why. It hit me so hard. He was, this was the man that told me, um, if, if I was gone, he and the child could have anything they wanted. They, he could, they could do anything they wanted. And, you know, they didn't need me anymore. So you can see why that hit me so bad. Sure. And, um, I should have just not paid him any attention, but by that time, when he kept saying it over and over, it just was, it was just finally enough. And it hammered into your head? Yeah. 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 And, and, I mean, how did you get past that? I mean, I think it, it would be important for everyone to find out how they can go about getting past that. Did you ever get past that? I guess this is a better question. I, you know, I don't really know how to tell you. I just, it, except it was just perseverance and uh, going and doing what I wanted to do or needed to do and um, put my life back in order. And it, and it was really hard because I grieved for that child and that was the hardest part. Right. And, um, of course, I had started seeing my first husband at that time. And, of course, he didn't understand about the child. Mm-hmm. He couldn't understand my tears. And um, so that was hard. I had to learn to not grieve in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, I could see his point. But, you know, it's still... I shouldn't have even begun another relationship before until I got past it. Yeah. Because I left and I remarried Terry. Mm-hmm. And because I believed what he said. And um, that hurt the man I was going with. And mm-hmm. which naturally it would. And he just about threw me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... 
it's I have a way with words. Right. So I <laughs> I worked my way back in and sex helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Seduction, yeah. So yeah. And and I mean, do you see the child now? I mean No. At all? No, he would be about let's see, when I left it was in uh eighty seven. <laughs> and um yeah, was it eighty seven, eighty eight, yeah. It was in eighty seven. Mm-hmm. And uh no, I ha- I haven't had any contact with him. My mother, she used to say that he would come looking for me because mm-hmm. he was so attached to me. Right. And uh but you know that hasn't happened and you know I maybe I could find him on social media but I'm, I guess I'm afraid that he might reject me, and I could understand if he did, but I mm-hmm. just, I don't feel like I can do it. Do you think people should, if they're in your position? Uh, if they feel strong enough about it. Yeah, try to find him. I've really thought about trying to find him, but right now I just don't know if I can deal with his rejection. Mm-hmm. If it if it were to come up to that, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe I'm chicken a little bit. I'm usually not too afraid to face anything, but when it comes to people I care about, the people I love. I can be a real chicken. <laughs> yeah. Understandably so. I mean, these aren't things that you can just brush aside like they're nothing. I had some therapy. I, I guess that's really kind of what helped me get to moving you had, on. You yeah. had some therapy. Yeah. For Like professional or... Something you developed with, um, on your own. Professional. Right. And he was the one that made me see that I had developed a pattern. I'm recording what? You're recording? Yeah, why? So you're not showing your face or? Yeah, I am. Because you're I Just leave it upstairs, sweetie. Yeah, I'll be up. I'm sorry, um, you were saying? Um, he was the one that made me see mm-hmm. that, you know, I had to do something with all the guilt that I was feeling. And, you know, he said, you, you don't need to feel guilty because, or he said, don't feel guilty because he said, all guilt does is just make you miserable. Mm-hmm. And it causes you to do things that you may not want to do, but you do it because you feel like you have to. Well, let's be and, honest, though. And, That's easier said than done. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And um, and he wasn't meaning that I could just turn it off like a light switch. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, he said, you know, we need to work on that. Uh, and, and I said, well, isn't there a fine line between feeling guilty and being responsible? He said, he said, yes. He said, you know, we should be responsible for what we do, but he, he said, just don't let guilt get in there too bad and mess you up. That wasn't the words that he said, but that's what he meant. Right. And, um, so, and then he was the one that helped me see, he said, don't you see that what you're doing is creating a pattern? Mm-hmm. And he said, um, you know, you're going from man to man. Mm-hmm. You leave one and then there's another one waiting. Right. And I said, you know, I never thought of it that way. But yeah. So that's when I stopped. I stopped doing that. I mean, Mm -hmm. the other times that I married, it wasn't on the rebound from somebody. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the first two or three times I got married, it was. Yeah. And I'm, I've been grateful to him ever since. Mm-hmm. And my mother did the same thing. It's probably why I didn't recognize it at first in myself. Uh, but, and I tried to make her see it, but she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't see it. She just got mad at me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'd try to go back to men that abused her and see, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then she would um, call up men that she'd been involved with years and years ago that probably hadn't given her a thought at all, she'd get drunk on the phone and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one that she married, he married somebody else while he was married to her. Right. And then he was still married when she got involved with him. And, um, he didn't tell her. She had to find out from his wife. And I said, Mama, don't that tell you something? I said, you don't have to have this man to get along in life. Ditch him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, if you don't like him, just don't come around. I said, nah. so I, you know, what could I do? I let it go. So you just gave up at that point. Yeah. That must have hurt you. It did. And then she stopped seeing him. And then my aunt and I, we, she was going to go back with him. And she said, y'all just don't know what's been going on. I've been seeing him for a week or two now. And I hadn't told you. And mm-hmm. um, so I and so I told her, I said, he's going to hurt you. I said, you don't want to marry a man that didn't tell you he was married. Mm-hmm. And I said, I wouldn't do it. And um, and that's the key word there, isn't it? Yeah. I would not do it. As opposed to you should not do it. And then, but her reaction was like a teenager. She, you just don't want me to be happy. 
You don't want me to have nothing. You don't want me to do nothing. Now, wait, out of curiosity, how old was she at this point? In her 50s. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, it's impressive that she thought that way. Like a teenager, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, just flabbergasted me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she said, well, if you don't want him around, I won't, I won't bring him around. I said, mama, I said, you can bring him. I said, I'll be polite to him. Mm-hmm. I'll be civil. I said, you hadn't always liked all the boyfriends and stuff I've had, but you've been courteous. Mm-hmm. And I said, so I'll treat Ray right. But right. he, I said, he better not do nothing to you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so. Well, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, do you want to start a book? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have enough pages to handle all that. You've got digital now, baby. (laughs) Oh, Annabelle said it was like a soap opera. She'd help you. Yeah, she did. That's right, she did. Oh, did she? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was just referring to my life. I, I'd hate to oh. think what she'd think about yours. <laughs> there you go. I'll let her listen to both tapes. I mean, yeah, both, yeah. Not tapes, but whatever you call this stuff. Prints. Yeah. Digital. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, at this point... Excuse me, shit. Mm. You about to Um, go to sleep reading this book, aren't you? No, no, no. um, (laughs) No, it's just whatever Annabelle's cooking is really strong and it's hitting me. (laughs) But, um. I'll be up there in a minute. Mm hmm. Um, I want to thank you for coming back on and letting everybody know about your experiences as a child in the South, um, in rural South for that matter, mm-hmm. and as a parent to a child that I don't know. I think maybe he'd want to look for you. Because you impacted his life quite a bit. Yeah, but then I turned around and left him. You did do that, but let's face it. At no point did you have... I'm not going to say you didn't have any responsibility towards him, but at the same time, you did because you were the only one who seemed to give a shit about him. And I would think that that ended up helping him a lot more than it hurt him. Well, you know, I've hoped so. I I really have. 
Mm-hmm. I would be tickled if he looked for me. But maybe you have to take that step. Could be. Facebook might be good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you know where he lives. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt you any. I don't know. I heard that he was he had gone into political science. And oh. I know that uh his mom married a military guy. Right. And um I had heard that uh he had told somebody that that guy was the best thing that he had in his life. So, I, you know, I don't know if I had an impact or not. Like I said, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And I hope what I can, what I've said can be of some help or some hope to other people. Yeah. And if you have any questions, if anyone has any questions or they want to comment on what Monica has said here today, uh, by all means, you can contact us at whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com or you can contact Monica directly at Moni60 on Twitter. That's M O N N I 60. Yay! He did it right. <laughs> well, of course I did it right. <laughs> or you can find her on Facebook and DM her. Um, or you can Contact her by email, coffee gal, just as it sounds, 62 at gmail.com. As always, you can find Meet Me here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway every Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 7 a.m. Pacific Time. And remember, it's a wide, wide world. And you can meet lots of people. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week.